And I am coming to you from a remote location uh, as we ready to, uh, ourselves to broadcast JR Morning with Guy Gordon from the Angels Place Golf Classic and Forest Lake Country Club out Bloomfield Way. And we'll be talking more about that later on in the show and uh, as uh, the morning progresses. Quite a, a volatile uh, weekend of weather starting with uh, that deluge of storms that kind of popped up out of nowhere Friday afternoon. Uh, of course, uh, we have more Canadian wildfire uh, smoke coming our way, and uh, hopefully that's uh, that, that that's not supposed to be as long-term of a problem as last time, but uh, just assume... Just assume you're supposed to breathe carefully until, until we're told not to. Um, National Weather Service actually confirmed that there was an EF0 tornado that touched down in Sanilac County on Friday afternoon. Uh, it originally touched down near the town of Applegate at about 3.30, and it uh, moved southwest and actually hit a campground at Lexington Park. Winds reached up to 85 miles per hour, and the tornado itself traveled five miles. The majority of the damage was to the campground, although one home did suffer minor damage, but it doesn't sound like it was a large loss of life, large loss of property. Um, And this is uh, two days after that EF1 tornado reportedly hit the Kalamazoo area on Wednesday. And uh, at least anecdotally from my picturesque community uh, in the Downriver area, um, it, it rained for about 10 minutes and, and luckily it only rained for 10 minutes because it rained so hard in those 10 minutes that, um, the, the, the water in my street actually got up to, to ankle, ankle level. And so if it, if it rained any longer than that, um, we would have dealt with some, um, some flooding in the basement and it's a very good, uh, reminder to clean your gutters. A manhunt for an inmate who escaped from a Pennsylvania jail ended on Saturday after authorities say the suspect had been recaptured. Fox's Ashley Strom here reports. It took nine days and multiple agencies to track down fugitive Michael Burham, who is described as a, quote, survival expert. So tip came in from a Pennsylvania couple claiming they had encountered the suspect in their backyard. He told them he was camping, but the couple recognized him from the news and told police. Law enforcement confirming he was captured at gunpoint in Warren County following the tip. And uh, what an incredible story. I mean, uh, this this uh, uh, inmate, he escaped from jail. He actually used a, a rope made of, like, bed sheets and blankets and repelled off the uh, uh, ceiling of the uh, uh, penitentiary or the uh, detention facility that he was staying at. And, and from what I remember, I don't believe that he's going back to that same detention facility, which is uh, a, a good idea in my book. Andrew Hall, that uh, 30-year-old, 31-year-old tran- transient man who confessed to uh, attacking a that woman in a Target parking lot in Troy before he went and murdered 40-year-old Lisa Moffat in Detroit a few days later. He's been charged now with first-degree murder by Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Kim Worthy. Hall is also facing uh, those 10 felony counts in Oakland County for the Target parking lot attack, and he's expected to be arraigned today in 36th uh, District Court. Horrific story. A 12-year-old girl 
uh, has been charged after allegedly dousing an 11-year-old girl with acid during a fight at a park in Detroit. Now, the 12-year-old and the 11-year-old, they got into a fight. When witnesses say the 12-year-old's mother handed her a bottle of acid and the 12-year-old threw it at the 11-year-old, and she was also aiming at the 11-year-old's siblings and her cousins. Now, the 11-year-old victim, she spent three days at Children's Hospital uh, Children's Hospital in Detroit being treated for acid burns. Uh, the 12-year-old suspect is being charged with assault with intent to do great bodily harm and felonious assault. And uh, she's been ordered to wear a tether, and she'll be in court at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon tomorrow. And I'm sure, I'm sure that the mother who uh, supplied the acid will be charged as well. I can't imagine her not. Well, remember a few weeks ago uh, when Taylor Swift was in town for her eras? Remember how crazy that was? Well, we've, uh, we've been documenting the economic impact her concerts have been having on uh, the economies of all the cities that she's been visiting. And uh, she's actually been uh, generating an average about $80 million of, uh, of new economic uh, money per city, uh, per tour stop. And the Federal Reserve is actually crediting her for stimulating the hotel industry in their latest Beige Book report, saying that uh, despite the slow recovery of the tourism industry, hotels in the cities that uh, Swift is hitting on that era's tour, they're experiencing record occupancy when she comes to town. And uh, it was another big weekend for concerts um, in Detroit. Kid Rock was doing uh, two nights at LCA. Ed Sheeran was at Ford Field. And uh, Eminem came out for a surprise appearance. And the two of them performed Lose Yourself together. They prefer, uh, performed Stan together. I believe that uh, Ed Sheeran sang the Dido part, but I, I can't be sure I wasn't there. Um, and I forgot the two of these guys. They had a song together uh, that came out a few years ago called The River, uh, which was a uh, hit. And it's a, a pretty powerful song about abortions and, and a family relationship. Uh, Eminem also, uh, a few years ago, popped up during a, um, uh, a Drake concert where there was beef. Uh, there was rumors of beef between the two of them. And uh, uh, it was squashed when Eminem popped up at uh, one of Drake's concerts here. I believe it was at LCA the early years um, um, when, when it was first starting out. Uh, the Michigan Republican Party's money troubles, uh, they've been a big topic of conversation after a number of big money backers have pulled their funding because they don't really like the direction that the party is going. And uh, a revelation from that very eventful Michigan GOP convention uh, in Clare back on July 8th where uh, those 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 two uh, attendees got into that uh, uh, a brawl. Um, the revelation shows that the Michigan Republican Party only has about $93,000 in his bank account. And I'm not sure if this uh, includes the $460,000 worth of debt that the party said that they were carrying back in March or not. Um, but uh, former House Speaker Tom Leonard, he was the GOP's budget chair as well in 2009 and 2010. Uh, and he says that a successful Michigan state party needs to raise between $30, uh, I'm sorry, between $30 million and $40 million each election cycle and should have uh, at least 4 to $6 million on hand at this point in said election cycle. 
So uh, it looks like the Michigan Republican Party, the divisions, the um, new leadership that uh, is taking the party in a, a direction that, that a lot of uh, uh, establishment Republicans um, are, aren't really big fans of, uh, it looks like it's, it's hitting them in the pocketbook. And I don't know how I missed this story uh, that broke last week, but I guess that there's uh, been a deal reached uh, between HBO and Netflix uh, where some shows from HBO uh, that, that were on HBO um, will not only be on HBO Max, their streaming service, but it'll also the, uh, select select shows will also be jumping over to Netflix. And uh, the the first four um, names that were that have been released, Ballers is going to be on Netflix. Six Feet Under is going to be on Netflix. The Pacific, I've never heard of that. That's going to be on Netflix. But the 2001 um, Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg uh, uh, producing collaboration, Band of Brothers is going to be on Netflix. And uh, we watched that, I remember, um, in my high school 20th century history class. And I think I need to revisit it as an adult because um, I was like 15, 16 when it happened. And uh, I don't think I had the appreciation for it that I would have now. And and by the way, um, fun little piece of trivia. I guess Jimmy Fallon has a very, very small cameo in Band of Brothers where um, he plays a soldier bringing supplies or, 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 or something to... Uh, uh, one of the armies on the front. I don't remember. That's why I need to uh, rewatch it. All right, uh, we will be right back. It's First Thing with Mike Parsons on WJR. The Food and Drug Administration approved the first ever over-the-counter birth control pill last week, along for the sale of the contraceptive without a doctor's visit or age restrictions. OBGYN Dr. Kurt Wharton from Corwell Health on Focus with Paul W. Smith. You are all for it. Would you say most doctors are very much uh, approving this? Certainly, I can speak for the majority of obstetricians and gynecologists in the United States. The American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists has been advocating for this for years, and we're very excited that the FDA decided to go ahead and acknowledge this very safe and necessary medication. And what happened? What makes this pill different than the earlier pills where you definitely were said to need a doctor who knew you and knew your background and your history and knew which pill or which direction and the ingredients in the various pills would be best for you? That's a great question. This new pill is called O-Pill. It's a progesterone-only pill. We have used pills like this for 50 years. We historically referred to them as the mini pill because it contains progesterone only. Actually, when you go back to the first birth control pill that was introduced to the United States, it was initially a progesterone only pill, but estrogen was added to make women's cyclical health easier to manage. But it's really the progesterone component that results in the prevention of ovulation and prevents unwanted pregnancy. What we have known for a long time is that estrogen can increase the side effects and the risk. But without estrogen, as this pill is, it's very, very safe. The, truly, the only women who should not consider taking this pill are women who currently have breast cancer or have had breast cancer in the past. Otherwise, women who have blood pressure problems can safely take it, although they still, of course, need to address their blood pressure. Women who smoke 
can take this pill. We don't encourage smoking, of course, but it's a very safe pill to sell without the need for a doctor's intervention. Now, we have concerns. We don't want women to avoid the other aspects of the reproductive health. They still need to get appropriate cervical cancer screening. They need to get mammograms and all the other things we provide in routine care. But there's no reason that this pill can't be available to everybody. And it's so wonderful that it's now made available. You know, for years, we have been working to improve access to health care. And there are boundaries to obtaining simple things like birth control. Many women can't afford to go to a doctor to have a prescription written. And now they don't need to. Do you know how much how much this is? Do you have any idea how much this is no, over the counter? No, that's, that's the one thing. They haven't yet announced the wholesale price. And, of course, we're all hopeful that it will be an affordable medication. Uh, this medication contains the progesterone norgestrel. And, again, it's a generic medication. It's been around since 19 – it was first approved by the FDA in 1973. So has this been available? Been a lot of research. And, has this been available in other countries? Um, it's been, yeah, we have used Norgestrel before. It was available uh, and actively produced between 1973 and 2005. So it's just been sitting on the shelf for a couple of years. Hmm. Interesting. So they're saying uh, that this OPIL uh, will become the most effective birth control method available over the counter, which means it's up against uh, condoms, spermicides, other non-prescription methods. This is going to be the best. Uh, but you still have to, uh, I would hope, uh, promote the idea of using condoms for protection against STDs. Or do you think we're going to see an uptick in uh, sexually transmitted diseases because of this? That's a good question. No, you're absolutely right that this is not a barrier form of contraception. So it absolutely does not protect against sexually transmitted diseases. So couples still have to be very careful and make sure they're in monogamous relationships or they've been thoroughly tested. The nice part of this is it is felt to be more effective than the barrier contraceptive methods that you mentioned. Now, in perfect compliance, it could be as effective as 98%. But we're human beings, and compliance is never 100%. The reality is we have found in the past that it fails in about 7 to 15% of the time. Even combination birth control pills, which should be 99% effective, are really closer to about 95%. But compared to a diaphragm or a condom, which runs at best 70 to 80%, this is a a good improvement. The uh, uh, vice president, one of the vice presidents, I'm sure there are many, but uh, a Perigo Global Vice President for Women's Health said in a statement that the company is committed to making the pill, here's something that I need your help on, quote, accessible and affordable to women and people of all ages. Are they suggesting that other people other than women are going to benefit from taking a birth control pill? No. Uh, Again, the two contraindications are past history or current history of breast cancer and being male. But in recognition of people's identity. Um, Not all people identify themselves as female. Uh, They may be transgender, yet they're still at risk for pregnancy. Hmm. So I I think they're being respectful of that. Okay, I appreciate that, the new way in this world of ours. And they also say people of all ages. And I did hear in a news report 
that there were no age restrictions. Have have I heard that correctly? Do you know, uh, doctor, if that's the case? Yeah, there are no age restrictions, and that's an appropriate recognition of people's sexual behavior. Again, we work very hard to re- we have worked very hard to reduce the incidence of unwanted teenage pregnancy. And we don't want to put more barriers. There is no age restriction on the purchase of condoms. Why should we put a restriction on this? And I, I think that was definitely the right call by the FDA. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. It's been done in other countries. It's you, you said that the product was available in this country, was back on the shelf, and somebody said, we ought to bring that out and not need prescriptions for it. So that's where we are. We don't know when this all begins, do we, or do we? Uh, it most likely won't occur until early 2024. It's going to take some time for distribution and contracts to be signed. Hmm. Well, it'll be fascinating to watch, Doctor. Anything that we can do to prevent unwanted pregnancies is a very, very good thing. And again, remember, this is stopping a pregnancy before it begins. For those who have trouble with various means of birth control, this is not an abortion. This is not an abortion pill. This is a pill to keep a woman from becoming pregnant. And uh, I hope that's acceptable to many that might not have found it otherwise. Dr. Kurt Wharton, Chief of Clinical Care Programs and OBGYN, Royal Oak Corwell Health. Thanks for your expertise, doctor. So what is a ghost gun and how are teenagers getting their hands on them at an alarming rate? Chris Renwick talks to Bill Cusick, owner-operator of Action Impact Firearms Range and Training Center, on Jerry Afternoon about how people who are not legally allowed to own firearms are skirting the system. If you've got an extra 800000 bucks lying around and you're a drug addict or you are ineligible to purchase a firearm from a federally licensed firearm dealer, fear not because all you'd have to do is buy a ghost gun. And unfortunately, ghost guns are are becoming more and more of an issue. In fact, in 2021, the number of guns uh, recovered was over 19,000. ATF has linked ghost guns to 692 homicides and non-fatal shootings in 2021 alone. Ghost guns are... They're clean. There's nothing on them. There's no serial number. There's no identification. They come disassembled, and all you got to do is put it together. And for a cool grand, you can buy one. Teens are buying them more and more often. There was a case out of Springfield, Virginia. An 18-year-old was too young to buy a gun from a licensed gun store. He also, even if he were of age, I don't think he was 18 at the time, but even if he were of age, he was also an admitted drug dealer. He had mental health issues. So he would have been ineligible anyway. But he went to a website, got a ghost gun, put it together. There was a fight in a garage. He went, got the gun, started shooting two people dead. And this is just another issue of, well, we have no laws on the books that prohibit this type of of purchase, and there's really no oversight. And it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem 
uh, certainly around the country. Bill Cusick's the owner and operator of Action Impact Firearm Range, a federally licensed armed, uh, federally licensed firearm dealer. Uh, he's also a former law enforcement officer and attorney. How big of an issue are ghost gun kits and ghost guns, uh, not only uh, maybe worldwide, but certainly here in the United States? Uh, hi, Chris. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, I honestly believe it's probably the number one firearm issue facing the United States currently and in the foreseeable future. There are literally millions of these guns that are out there, and um, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. I mean, some there's still been like 10 states that have enacted legislation, but I, I firmly believe that with ghost guns being readily available, it makes all other proposed gun legislation and discussion irrelevant. Well, I got to tell you, I, I think of a guy I've never I've never seen a ghost gun. I've never even seen a ghost gun kit. But but from from what I understand, I mean, you're putting together a machine. I, I don't know that I could do that. How difficult is it to put one of these together? Uh, it's not difficult at all. In fact, you can go to YouTube and they'll walk you through it. So oh, I would geez. say the first time you were to, to attempt to do it, well, they'll even give you the tools to do it with at least the drill bits. Um, so the first time you do it, it might take an hour, hour and a half. Uh, I think after you do it one time, you can probably get it down to maybe 30 minutes. You can do it. So there's literally been individuals who, in essence, buy these, assemble them, and then they sell them. It's a very popular tactic with uh, a lot of the gangs that we're aware of. And I mean, we, we, we that's a great point um, because I, I've I've heard them referred to as like gun libraries, where if there's a, a rundown house, an abandoned house, uh, criminals know or gang members know where these caches are of weapons. They go, they take the gun, they go out, commit a crime, and, and return the gun back so they don't have it in their possession. Uh, and and if it's not in their person and they get uh, caught, well, they don't have the 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 weapon that committed the crime. So um, it, uh, are, are ghost guns used for that purpose uh, primarily? They're used for, yeah, they're used for any and all purposes. I think primarily you're going to see drug cartels pushing them through their local gang, like in major cities, Detroit, Chicago, New York, St. Louis, on and on, uh, certainly Los Angeles. So, all right, let me just give you this number. I'm aware of a, a dealer in Los Angeles who actually has a storefront or has had a storefront and in a 10-year period, his estimates were he sold between 3,000 of these gun kits. Wait, wait, you broke up there. Say that again. Between three and what? 500,000 in a 10-year period. And he said, I'm just one. Oh, my God. He said, so literally, there's millions. Well, that, I find that number staggering because I know how many firearms I've sold in that right. same period of time. Right. And it's nowhere near that number. So uh, the federal government did try to do something about this. ATF did. Um, they said if you manufacture anything that could end up uh, being a firearm, a frame or something, then you needed a serial number. But a federal judge in uh, Texas has put a stay on that proposed order. So right now the only restrictions are on us as dealers. If I were to take one in, I have to give it a serial number. Sure. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to mess with all that. Um, so you know, I, I just find it kind of... You know, I don't think ironic is a proper word, but, it's, you know, we've got all this other proposed legislation, which really pales in comparison to this issue. So you and I have had countless conversations, and, yeah. and, and I am of the belief that whether it's red flag laws, whether it's uh, background checks, I, I don't believe that this will necessarily slow down mass shootings. And, and I think that we agree on that. 
uh, in in most cases. Um, but but this seems to be an issue where there is no legislation, there is no federal oversight, and if we really want to crack down on this, making this either really difficult to achieve in, in getting one of these kits, um, or or cutting down on it altogether, m- might do some substantial good. Right, but but here's here's the funny part about this it's not been the government that slowed it down what has slowed it down is the manufacturers being sued in civil court and they're being sued in so many states by so many victims that it's made it cost prohibitive for them to be in business but then what that does is just transfers the manufacturers to to other countries because there's really not much you can do about that right so if they come in from china if they come in from another country you're not going to sue them in a local court. That's not sure. going to happen. They wouldn't even care if you did. So, I mean, this is a major, major, major issue facing law enforcement, facing all of us. Why have we not heard about this to the extent of, I mean, is it just not as buzzy as, as uh, uh, you know, like uh, extended background checks and red flag laws? Is it not, is it not uh, politically charged enough? Why, 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 not, why have we not heard more of this? It's not politically charged enough because here's what your initial impression of a ghost gun was, that you needed a special 3D printer to accomplish it. And that was like in its very initial form, right? And so the belief was, well, who's who's got the technology or the money to even afford one of these printers? But that's no longer the case. You don't need the printer. This thing comes in a kit. So all you have to do is take a drill bit, and like I said, it'll take you, you know, after after a few times, it only takes you 30 minutes to put these things together. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, Chris, from a distance, from five feet away, you wouldn't know the difference between these guns and the actual manufacturer gun. Really? And it's not just handgun. Oh, you wouldn't know the difference. They are nice looking. They do a really nice job, i got to tell you. And it's not only handguns, it's also ARs. Do, do you think the same the same set of rules that you play under as a federally licensed firearm dealer should be applied to these dealers as well, these sellers of these types of, of ghost gun kits? Yeah, it's going to be unpopular with the NRA and unpopular with some Second Amendment people, but I'm going to tell you, yes, I do agree they should play under the same rules, because otherwise... And what you are we're a saying, strong Chris, proponent of the Second Amendment. Well, I am. But I think what we're saying when we allow this to take place yeah. is we don't really care who owns guns. Right? Right? Because... <laughs> Fifteen-year-olds can buy them. What they're doing is they'll buy a, uh, and, a gift card. And right, and and that is a huge yeah. You just go to CVS, buy a, a preloaded gift card, and away you go. That is a huge, huge problem. All right, and we, uh, we've we brought the show out on the road. We are live from Forest Lake Country Club for the 31st Annual Angels Place Golf Outing. And uh, joined here by Guy Gordon and, and Nick Roddy and uh, Guy, more Canadian wildfires uh, blowing smoke down here. Another uh, um, air quality alert day. And uh, it was just a really weird weekend. We had tornadoes in Sanilac. We had Canadian wildfire. 
And uh, it, it, I, I think you make that, it sound like the Armageddon, or <laughs> the, this, this is uh, this is the apocalypse. I gotta, Where are the horsemen? I got to tell you, between the wildfires and COVID, it's been a tough decade to breathe <laughs> has been. around here. Oh my God! But I, I actually, uh, I actually had a big. Uh, milestone life event over this weekend. Did you? Yes, I did. I drove my first Tesla. Really? I did, yes. And uh, Elon Musk, um, you know, his his tenure at Twitter has been a hot mess so far, but he does manufacture a very intuitive, fun-to-drive electric vehicle. Did you, you – so you did find it fun. You like the acceleration. I did like the acceleration. The only thing I don't like, and, and I know I, I know this is a function of it trying to generate its own electricity, when you take your foot off the accelerator, it kind of feels like you step on the brake without stepping on the brake. Kind of like a golf cart. Yeah. So, and <laughs> Well, see, and you as an avid golfer, that's, that's, yeah. that's no problem for you. For me. Yeah, it's a pretty abrupt deceleration. Yeah. Right? There, there's not the coasting that you experience in, in another car. His Cybertruck, which looks like something a Bond villain would drive. <laughs> Uh, is actually in production now. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think about it's... three years, four years later than it was supposed to be, but it's it's coming. And you may remember the introduction they did it. Uh, Link Bessert and I were out in L.A. when they yeah. did it. And I think we, I... we were not invited. It was a, it was an invitation-only event. You... Apparently, we didn't rate. But um, didn't make that was the one where he, he, he dropped the kind of like a bowling ball against the window to show how resistant and tough and it was. And it's still shattered. <laughs> it's got stuck in the window. Well, hey. <laughs> You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. But something did put me at ease about driving in this Tesla. You know, there's been a lot saying about how, um, you know, electronic vehicles and Teslas especially, they don't even have AM radios in there. Right. But I did go to the local radio interface, and um, it, 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 it wasn't AM and FM. You just saw every single radio station's logo, and right there was – WJR 96.3 um, HD2. So we're, we're on there, and it kind of put my mind at ease because we're right right there with all the other radio stations. Right. you got to tell consumers, first of all, how to look for it. And we need to encourage dealers to help consumers find it. I talked to a, a friend who has a brand-new Volvo uh, EV and said, yeah, you know, I've been trying to do it through a streaming app. The other thing you don't realize is if the streaming app is on your phone, when you plug your phone into the car, that streaming app should pump. Uh, pop yeah. up automatically. Yeah, so, so it, it put yeah, my good. it put my mind at ease about the future, and uh, you know, guy Nick, we've been working together for a while, so I figure we can talk uh, about something uh, personal here with us and a few hundred thousand of our closest friends here. Um, I don't know what your guys' sleeping arrangement is, but there's this new thing that's very <laughs> common. The American Academy of Sleep has uh, done a uh, a survey. And one in three couples um, have filed for what's called a sleep divorce, where you're still you're still married or you're still cohabitating, and you but you just sleep in in, in different rooms. And people are actually doing this to save their marriage. And uh, I know me personally, with our weird schedule during the week, I sleep on the couch. My wife sleeps in the bedroom because for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm getting up at three a.m. Sure. Uh, uh, number two, for some reason, it's it's easier for me to get up early if I'm getting off the couch than if I'm if I'm uh, in bed, and uh, I, I'm a snorer. So I, I I don't know what your guys' sleeping arrangement is, but if uh, you're you're uh, one of the one in three Americans who have had a sleep divorce, um, you don't have to you don't have to be hiding anymore because it's very common. Nick, I, your your parents may be listening. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, 
I, I will agree with you that it's easier to get up off the couch after a nap, too, yeah. than, than the bed. Once you get to bed, yeah. you are not getting up. My parents probably were trendsetters in yeah. this. They, they, they had their uh, sleep divorce back in 1960. Trendsetters, yeah, trailblazers, uh, trailblazers. Uh, my, my, and maybe that's why I don't have any siblings. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why I was an only child, right? Um, but no, they, they, they've discovered this. They were much happier, and it's not to save the marriage, but it's to make sure that everybody is in a better mood in right. the morning, right? Well, and that's probably part of the reason saving the marriage, and and I guess according to this study. Snoring is a top five reason for actual divorce. Yeah, and Gail will tell you that she would probably like to file. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why she for sleep has divorce it yet. or real divorce. Well, because you know, I mean, like I, she's been up at the cottage the last uh, couple of weeks, and, and so I got up there Friday night, and she says, "Oh, I feel so rested. It's been so great since you've been gone." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's like, "Hi, honey, it's great to have you here, but." Boy, I hope I can sleep now that you're here. Yeah, it's great to see you go sleep in the guest room. All right, so we are, like I said at the beginning of the segment, we are on the road here um, at uh, Forest Lake Country Club uh, in beautiful, uh, are we in Bloomfield? West Bloomfield Township. West Bloomfield Township for the 31st Annual Angels Place Golf Outing. And, Guy, for people who might not be familiar with Angels Place, uh, we've got about a minute left. Why don't you tell us about uh, why we're out here today? Uh, more than 40 years ago, four women who I believe were healthcare professionals at Beaumont Hospital were taking a lunch break, and one of them had a challenged child. And they were just lamenting the fact that they did not know what was going to happen to their child once they got old or were no longer able to take care of them, that there was no place that they could call home that they were comfortable with. So the four women put their heads together and they created Angel's Place. Now there are more than 22 homes that take care of mentally challenged adults when their parents no longer can. And that's great because talking about the special needs community, um, that's a big concern because, um, you know, a lot of these uh, a lot of these adults, um, they depend on a guardian their whole life. And uh, once their guardian uh, is no longer around. Um, you know, you wonder what's going to happen with them. And back then there was a fear of institutionalization, and that was just totally unacceptable to pull the, to them as it would be. So now they have a place where they can go that truly is residential setting. See you in a few.